You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, so I guess I thought today we could have uh, a chat about parent kind of teaching within COVID. Um, as of today, we're in, what is it, our second? Is it second? Third? Third? Third oh, is it second, like, proper, proper lockdown? Well, we had, so if we're talking about England, we had the first lockdown that started in March, then it was eased up, and then there was a lockdown just before Christmas for four weeks. Uh, so I can, I would kind of consider that lockdown two, and then this is lockdown three, because um, it was... Lockdown it was three, severe lockdown. Well, so, yeah. Um, less severe than first, but more severe. Than. It's like a bad, a bad sequel, isn't it? But um, yeah, so it's what is it? It's like We're on the fifteenth, rehashing the same. Yeah, fifteenth of January, um, at the moment. So, yeah, I thought I thought we could just talk about kind of education, um, whether that's universities. Universities are open to teach um, online. So, I mean, I think teachers, university educators, are classed as key workers this time round. Um, which has made it easier to keep keep kind of um, the education going. Go on, Remy. Uh, well, I was just going to make the point, um, uh, it might be a bit controversial, but the time at which some universities confirmed that the staff were key workers did not give the uh, staff enough time to register their children at the school. So even though, that you know, on paper, they might be registered as key workers, they need to also find a place in the school. And not, not all kids who are key workers have found places in schools. Yeah. And um, there's some obviously... specifics around it as well. So you, so kind of communications went round and it was, okay, university, university educators are key workers. And then I think more communications came round clarifying that it's not, it's only student-facing so it's not all university workers, it's just student-facing workers. So some of the people that may have initially got the email thinking, okay, I'm a university kind of um, worker, therefore I'm a key worker. Um, that wasn't entirely accurate. So I think there's some misinformation that, that's been spreading around. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's better than the last, the, the first lockdown in terms of um, being able to free up some of that time. I don't think, um, personally, if we're talking about lockdowns, it's, it's, not, it's not the, um, maybe not what I'd like to see. Um, and you've got Chris Whitty coming out and saying, okay, it needs to be more severe. It need, we need kind of a, a proper lockdown, um, not just kind of let's keep, let's keep quite a bit of things open. Um, and see how it goes um but yeah i've got i've got quite a few friends that i've got kids i mean i've got um children my one of my kids in nursery nurseries are open um i'm not i think um was it boris or someone was saying that the research says that the virus doesn't spread so much in younger children so they're less less at risk and also having nurseries open allows p 
people to get to work um, allows people to work without having kind of toddlers and kind of really small children underneath their feet um, so I think that's great I have concerns about it sending my child to nursery thinking is this the right thing to do is this the right thing to do during a lockdown um, am I putting more people at risk that maybe maybe I shouldn't be um, and then we've also got kind of the disparate kind of disparity in kind of um, technology maybe there's articles that are coming around um, around the kind of what people have whether that's internet not everyone has internet access um, not everyone has devices multiple people have to use one device and have to get all of their schoolwork done on one device within a household um, and I've got a friend that's um, a primary school teacher at the moment and they're they're struggling because it's the idea of um, creating resources for kind of creating multiple types of resources for the same thing to cater for lots of different types of, of engagement um, and I think that that's interesting um, but yeah what I, I guess I'll ask what are your guys thoughts and I think that you have brought a really great point with um, actually what teacher experiences is because as we know from our experience working at the university we never advise people to um, do class online and in the classroom simultaneously because it's so much hard work to stand in the front of the classroom and at the same time streaming it to the class elsewhere and I know for some teachers in my my um, group of friends I don't know whether this is the common practice across the all schools in UK whereas in Scotland and wherever but I know at least about few examples in where schools have adopted this approach that the class is kind of hybrid so you've got two or three kids sitting in front of you in the classroom because those kids are classified as you know children of key workers so they are allowed to be at school and at the same time teachers have to stream it to you know those people is from at home and again i was talking to some of the close friends and and who are the teachers in the primary school as well and they they said it is so difficult to work with the kids in primary school because it is very difficult to capture their attention especially if you've got those kids six seven eight years old their attention is so scattered and just hosting the lecture or lesson online proves to be extremely challenging and if you have to simultaneously look at the kids in the class it's a wow it seems yeah, like no, a huge task there's there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a short story um that i was talking to a friend about yesterday um and they're doing kind of um conference calls and things like that and they're asking the parents to kind of um, support support their kids and actually be be with their children while they're learning. Um, and then I think there was one case where the parents just left left their child unattended at a at a conference call, and the child just wrote poo, just wrote poo in the chat, um, and the teachers had a word. <laughs> With the parents afterwards that actually um you you shouldn't really be doing doing that 
um, which brought up another conversation about some of the good points, some of the some of the kind of the the good parts of kind of teaching online and the the ability to maybe educate students or pupils on the safe way of using kind of technology. So it's okay, don't post in the chat or be respectful when you're posting in the chat. Okay, that's transferable to your social medias. Um, kind of only put your camera on things like that when you're being spoken to and don't take kind of screen grabs as well. And it's it's kind of, it's all really applicable to the real world and to children's safety at the moment. And kind of, I think there was, there was some resistance, maybe some kind of frustration about oh, why do I have to do this and things like that. And then I kind of related it back to, well, kids have to wear a school uniform when they come to school. Kids have to be respectful in the classroom. They have to put their hands up, things like that. That's stuff that you've had to talk to students about. That's stuff that you've had to kind of instill. It may just be kind of normal because we've done it for so long, but it's similar to when we're talking to um, academics in higher education. It's very much okay. You have to, you kind of have to set out those expectations. How do you want the students to kind of engage with this activity, um, whether that's on Zoom, whether that's on a VLS, LMS, um, and just making it clear, this is what I expect you to do, and this is what I want, and this is what you shouldn't be doing, and just setting those ground rules at the start, because it's so easy <clears throat> to forget that you do that in the physical world, you do that in the lecture room. If someone came in, if someone came into your lecture room wearing no clothes or wearing kind of inappropriate clothes, you'd be like, you know where the door is, can you go and get changed please? So you kind of feel like the exact same thing should happen online. It's like, okay, video off, go away, um, kick you out and come back, come back when you're more appropriately dressed um, for this session and things like that. I mean, it's kind of like, like for like, we've done it for so long now it's just about translating that into an online environment and i think that's i i think that's kind of quite a good skill for people to learn at the moment moving forward and one that should have been taught should really be taught kind of everywhere um whether that's online safety whether that's kind of just how to use technology appropriately um but we've potentially resisted because we haven't really had the need to to do that i think that you again you, you brought really excellent point and i think this is again the very very indication of the fact that the rapid growth of technology has um overtaken the growth of policies and adequate policy making and not only it's not only related to this country but elsewhere and there are no specific rules or laws and the curriculum at any level is not adjusted to the technological advancements that we've got to our disposal. I don't know what, whether you guys agree on that point with me or no. I would be really interested to find out your... Rumi, you've been very quiet today. I would be really interested to find out your opinion about that. Um, so I, I was going to go back to the point about, you know, um, setting the ground rules 
Um, so classroom management is obviously a big subject area in um, teacher training, uh, making sure you've got those ground rules set. But as you were, I guess, just about to come on to, um, the technology's moved on, but the kind of culture hasn't moved on. And there's this disconnect between um, these two really important things. And um, it's, well, I say the technology has moved on. The technology has been able to afford this for a long time, but now we're in the situation where people are having to teach like this and no one's really thought about it because perhaps it's not been top of the agenda. There are loads of other priorities. Um, I think as with most things, we need more research. We need more evidence to see what works effectively and what doesn't. Um, I, if we go back to that specific example you gave, uh, Nathan, about the, you know, the child left unattended, if that was the ground rule that the school had set and everyone was on board, fine. I, I would be quite surprised, though, if all the parents had kind of agreed to that, because that's quite a tricky thing for all the parents to be able to sit with all of their children. You know, what if you've got multiple children? What if you, you, you're both working? I, I, I'm trying to think of all these scenarios where this isn't appropriate to do. So perhaps we need to think about uh, manageable expectations for the learners and for the parents and for the educators um, that are kind of fair across the board. Uh, I don't know what this individual parent's circumstance was that they left their kid alone, but there could have been a multi multitude of reasons why it was appropriate for them to leave them alone. Um, but absolutely what you were saying about uh, transferable skills here, um, if they're posting something in the chat which isn't appropriate, you can use that as a teaching point for other things that are inappropriate to do online, at least in the classroom environment, um, they're in that safe space. Um, another way of tackling it might be not to, I know a lot of people have jumped onto these live sort of teaching sessions, might be to look at um, asynchronous activities. Um, and I, I don't know what, um, parents challenges are I don't have children so I don't know what parents challenges are in getting the children to sit down I know anecdotally through friends and family um, some kids are brilliant they'll sit down and do it others just will not they won't engage they're not used to studying in the home environment they're not used to their parent being like an educator they might come home and have fun family time they might eat their meal they might do a bit of homework but it's not a structured rigid routine throughout the day so it's quite a challenge for young children to adapt to this as well um, I, I think there may be lots of good ideas, but I think time's needed. So something, something else kind of that has been mentioned is, and I think I've, I've kind of touched on it, was the idea of having the information in lots of different formats. Um, so having um, worksheets on paper, on paper that get sent out and things like that because they know, okay, my students won't have access. Um, so may, maybe I've missed this, um, but there seems to be, uh, I don't know, is there a different understanding of a university student of kind of um, that they should have access to um, a device, the internet, things like that. Well, if we if we missed out the, I know we're beyond digital education, but if we missed out the digital aspect for a moment, if those resources can be made available in a different way to the learners who don't have access to it, yeah, great, sending laptops out is, is brilliant. 
But again, if you've got several children, you've still only got one laptop, that's not much help. If you don't have decent broadband and can't afford it, or there isn't good broadband in your area, that might not be such great help. If I, uh, in 1990, I had a trip to, show my age now, I had a trip to Canada um, and it was during school time and the teachers were worried that I would fall behind. Uh, so my mom spoke to the school, they photocopied various pages of the textbook that we were supposed to be going through. And I had to spend some time in the evening going through those because obviously there's still a syllabus, there's still work that we need to be doing. There are other mediums to have this content go out that will help support parents. It will help support uh, learners who don't have access to technology. Um, and maybe if I go a little bit towards digital, but not fully into the internet, BBC are doing a great thing now where they're starting to put live lessons on television. I think that approach should have been followed earlier. We should be using radio as another medium to do that. Um, and, and of course, you know, we should be, I, I think probably we should be opening up places where people can go uh, to, to study if the schools aren't open, you know, just spaces where it's not necessarily a school, but it's a study space where children can go where they're supervised in a safe area. Um, because there don't seem to be enough school places for all the children who need it. Or even if it's just um, one day a week, the kid has access to go into the school just to check in and make sure they're doing okay. It doesn't have to be this set of kids are fully in class and this set of kids are fully homeschooled. They could kind of work on a rotor system, I guess. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a joined up approach with all the schools as to what is appropriate for a certain age group. I feel like everybody's teaching, you know, say, for example, key stage two English, like so many kids are learning that right now, surely, with all the teachers and all the educators and all the schools and the government, uh, we could work out a great way of delivering that same content rather than schools competing against each other and all these teachers creating these resources and all these parents struggling at home. I think that's what that's what happens. Uh, that's kind of what happens anyway. Um, so you'll find as as people go into teaching they'll try and figure out okay why, why am I here um why did I do this and then okay now I have to create my lesson plans and then from there once you've got it then you start to incorporate other people's what other people have you start looking at kind of more widely um and then incorporating stuff kind of um from kind of different places so it, it kind of it happens but I know what you mean. Um, there is there is the opportunity to kind of say, okay, this is this is what kind of is taught in whatever year for whatever subject. Um, we've all agreed on it. Everyone agrees. This is this is what we teach because ultimately everyone agrees anyway because that's the syllabus. That's the syllabus that is taught. But yet um, everyone interprets it slightly different. Yes. So I guess I'm talking about going to a more granular level than just the syllabus. I'm talking about schemes of work, lesson plans, even lessons, sharing lessons. So if it's asynchronous, rather than having every single teacher teaching their group of students, you know, whatever it is, uh, I, I don't know what they learn at key stage two, but if it's, you know, phonics or something like that, if they still teach phonics, um, then it might be, let's create a brilliant example or several brilliant examples of phonics that as well as the synchronous le uh, lessons can be used and interspersed with the other bits. And, you know, uh, if, if these can't be delivered online, we can start posting out 
DVDs to people who've got DVD players or, you know, God forbid, VHS if people were still struggling getting DVD players. Uh, that there has to be a cutoff. Surely there has to be a cutoff in terms of um, what you support. Uh, well, I was thinking Betamax was the next thing. Um, maybe a bit of eight mil. What if I've only got an, uh, an OHP? <laughs> the transparency paper. <laughs> but, but no, yeah. I, I, I think oh, if we were working together, like. Um, I mean, Carol already started to talk about some of the challenges with synchronous, especially, I mean, like we, we've spoken about it quite a lot with the academics that we work with. Does it need to be synchronous? Can you transfer this? Because there are, there are loads of challenges. Um, there's a challenge at the end of the learner and there's a challenge at the end of the educator in terms of using that technology. Then there's if the technology works for whatever reason. Um, and we, we've kind of said, look, if it doesn't need to be a synchronous session, don't use it. And I think there should be a similar kind of approach used with this kind of remote, because I think we've removed, we've moved beyond this kind of emergency remote teaching now, or we should have done, but, but we haven't. Um, and, and we should be looking at best practices, like let's learn some lessons, let's look at best practice. Um, but we, what, what seems to have happened is the poor teachers were told, yeah, the schools are going to open, schools are going to open. They're doing all their work to make sure their schools are COVID safe. They've got their lesson plans. And then all of a sudden it's back to no, it's remote teaching and no one's had an opportunity to plan for that. And I think one of the key challenges in that is uh, in that environment or the environment that we are currently in is the fact that there is a huge difference in being in the home environment and being at the class. Because if you are in the classroom, the teacher is in the center of your attention or at least it should be in the center of attention of the students in the classroom and the teachers got this mean and platform to bring that attention onto him or her, her and kids are listening and at home you've got or kids they, they can have a lot of distractions they can have their phone and their tablet and you know their pet coming in and out and there is so much distractions and i think there is no enough way to put on how to learn how to adopt the right frame of mind actually for the knowledge to sink in and yeah, how to I gain some that of, knowledge. Some of what, what I see is kind of the kind of idea of social learning. Um, so yeah, particularly my child, getting him to eat anything is a challenge, is, is kind of, I, I say a conversation, but it's hard to have a conversation with a, a three-year-old. Um, but if he goes to nursery, he will eat, he'll eat anything, anything and everything because other children are doing it. So it's the idea of actually having, having lots of people in the same space, you learn from others. Um, similar to kind of us working in the office. You learn so much more from working in the office with someone than you do working remotely because you don't have those kind of um, spur of the moment conversations, the ideas that pop up and you're like, well, um, what does everyone think about that? The uh, eavesdropping and overhearing conversations that are that are happening. You know, like, oh, actually, I'm interested in in kind of what they're talking about. So there's the whole idea of kind of how we learn together as as a human species. I guess that that's who we are. We we are social learners. We do kind of learn from each other and kind of losing that. Um, I feel like especially 
in really young children, you potentially stunting their development in a sense, uh, because they're not, they don't have the opportunities to learn from others. They only have the opportunity to learn from uh, a couple of people. And I, for one, um, may not be the best person to um, look at in terms of, in terms of learning, in terms of following, um, but any, any one individual isn't. Absolutely. And I 100% agree with you. And one of the things that Rumi was mentioning before, and that make me think as well, it's I would love to see kind of long term research that is measuring the or trying to measure the long term implication of lockdown on the psyche of those children. You know, in primary age or primary school age, because that isolation that being away from from peers that might be devastating for their development of the social relationship with people when they go into those adolescence and then adulthood. Yeah, just bringing it back to, to Romy's point on emergency remote delivery and, and things like that. I think we'd hope to be getting past it, but there are, there are, still, there are still conversations um, that we're having about it. Um, and the idea that so we're working I think we're working on the moment on a blended a blended program uh, called blended um, and I guess the conversation is well what exactly does blended look like at the moment um, because it would look online it would look like actually let's create it as, as an online program rather than rather than a blended program but then there seems to be this kind of misunderstanding of even what blended is um, so the idea that okay i want to choose blended over online because i don't have to put in as much effort i don't have to put in as much time um and it's all done all done for me um i, I assume because you've got the classroom um the classroom days where you can just plan plan out for the whole day and that's stuff that you don't necessarily have to put online um but I feel like they they both they both should take the same amount of time. They both should obviously you've got the same amount of hours of teaching from both of them. So why is the same amount of effort not put in? Why is this idea that um, blended is now synonymous with um, remote emergency delivery um, and not in it what it was intended to be um, a blend of classroom and online kind of teaching um so i think those are the conversations that we're having at the moment to try and change that understanding of what blended is um and actually both of them take the same approach um you you have to flesh out kind of what content kind of what content you want and then you deliver in different ways so as you mentioned when we kind of potentially move away from um synchronous activities so you got you kind of got to know what they are before we can work on them. So, so I thought that was that was quite interesting, an interesting conversation um, that we're going to have to continue to have. But I feel like maybe maybe it's just just me or us. Um, but the idea that you can kind of maybe make a mistake, you can attach a name to something, um, not an idea, and then it sticks. 
similar to different platforms that we've got. And I won't name the platform, but it was synonymous with one type of activity. And now no one will do any other activity um, or anything else with that platform apart from this one thing. Um, and yep. Um, and now it's kind of a struggle to kind of change the way people see it because actually there's a whole load of things that you can do with it um, but we've just typecast it and I think we're doing the same with blended we're doing the same with online we're saying okay this is what online is because we've had we've had an emergency plan but we don't have kind of a future plan we don't have a plan okay we've done this what are the next steps? What are we doing now? Um, how are we actually developing this? And the skeptic in me feels like maybe we won't bother doing that and we'll go back to um, teaching trad traditional classroom-based teaching and we'll forget this ever happened. Um, but I'm hoping and I'll always push um, for kind of keeping some of the good aspects of what's happened as well as I mean it, it's the future I mean it there's no getting away away from it it's just highlighted the fact that this traditional idea of classroom-based teaching only it, it's gone it's gone and dead and we need to move forward but are we are we going to make that move or are we just going to fall back into kind of what we know which is Kind of what a lot of us tend to do as as a human species. Nathan, sorry, I have to disagree with you. It's not the future; it's the present. Like we've been doing that for whether we were doing this as the emergency response to the situation, or whether, you know, we've been doing that for almost a year. It's the present now, and of course, there will be a pushback, and people will be trying to get back to the uh, to the old systems. But I think. As you know, I think us as the instructional designers working in the higher education, investigating the research, I think this is our kind of almost duty of care to talk about this and to promote that online environment. And I completely agree with you. I can see loads of benefits in social interaction being amongst people. And especially I'm devastated by seeing all of those young kids who can't go to the, to the school because it's got profound impact on the parents and child relationship and the, the way the, those kids are going to be talking to their peers in the future. But I think there is, a, a, I agree with you again on that, that there is a lot, loads of good that come out of this. Uh, the, you know, you can basically connect to people from anywhere in the world. And we were in the last eight or nine months, we were forced actually to just be glued to that screen and that created an enormous amount of opportunities. So why we would like to chuck it out of the window when the virus is gone? Like we can, we can still embrace those positive changes and you know carry on with them, whilst maintaining the kind of normal social life and trying to find good balance between those two. I'm actually um, struggling to think about how that might work in a kind of primary school, secondary school setting uh, in terms of blended delivery, unless we're talking, because I think there's a real appetite amongst a lot of parents that I've spoken to to just get their kids back in school. Um, they, they like that idea of their kids being physically based 
in the school during the day. Um, and so when we, when we say continuing with the stuff that we've learned, I, I wonder, would that be for homework? Like, what, what are you guys suggesting in terms of continuing with it? Well, let's think about, sorry, Nathan, <laughs> sorry. Oh. Let's think about this, like, gathered kids in a school, one school in UK and one, you know, school kids in Dubai or Zimbabwe and have an hour or two hours a week in those in which those kids can just talk about stuff. And there, that would be such a great, or get the people in, I don't know, in Poland and in Spain for the Spanish lesson. And rather than you having the teachers talk, teaching you how to teach Spanish, like teaching you Spanish, you have actually kids in Spain teaching Polish kids speaking Spanish or and the other class might be Polish kids teaching Spanish kids teach Polish and you create friendship and some of those you know you can create a long lasting long lasting relationship you kids are taught how to give and how to receive from others and of course teachers needs to be on both sides because you need to have the moderators and you need to be those you know those guardians of those social rules and what have you. But actually by those technology, you can get kids into the classroom and you can enable them to talk to someone else. And of course it might be hard to do, but now the sky is the limit. Um, yeah, I think one, that, one thing that sorry. I had before, before you go was maybe something like parents evening where instead of everyone going in, busy people trying to get into work, you could, you could potentially just have a parents evening through through a conference in tool and i could be at work and i could kind of um join in as well um so the scope potential scope for things like that as well so maybe not maybe not just and it's not always kind of in in lockdown it's not always the use of the technology kind of front facing with with the students some of it is kind of back end stuff as well so kind of making processes better um so whether that's communication whatever that is it's it's all round so maybe it's not just okay uh, kids homework and things like that um or uh, what when we um Carl suggested it could it could very well much be kind of how we meet how we meet together um so yeah sorry Remy. uh i was just going to say um I, I mean obviously what you were talking about carol sounds interesting but it extends way beyond what we're doing now i mean i think obviously there's real value in collaboration across countries uh for exactly those sorts of things um I feel like the um, the amount of difficulties some people have found, even with the current setup, means we may be a bit further away from that idea than maybe us three would hope. Yes, absolutely, and I, you know, I hundred percent agree with you. The only one, thing, and I agree with you that we are not in the position to um, implement that. But I think this is the whole idea of discussing it in the podcast and opening it up on Spotify and YouTube and all the platforms because there might be someone who might be in that position who might get that idea and thought like you know actually I haven't thought of that but this is a really good idea let's see and if there is such a person there you know 
please do something about that. And all of those great initiatives like Erasmus, it's all started somewhere. You know, it might not be technically viable to implement this idea or the idea that Nathan was talking about, but it's just generating and moving forward. The idea, it's that the first thought, it's, it's, it always starts with the thought. Yeah, and on that, as, as Carl said, shout out, shout out to anyone, anyone that's kind of um, potentially working on anything like that, anyone that just wants to have a chat, have a conversation, or, or tell us how, how wrong we are. Um, well, we're welcome, we're welcome to um, learning, growing as individuals, yeah, and as a podcast as well. Um, so if, has anyone got anything else that they wanted to add? Um, yeah, let's wrap say up. thank you. Um, we'll see. We'll all see you on the next um, episode. Um, Thanks. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.